our Old Testament reading is from Joshua, chapter 4. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take the twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes. Of the people of Israel. This this may be a sign among you When your children ask in the time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children... Ask their fathers in times to come 
What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters. Of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That you may fear the Lord your God forever. Our New Testament reading is from Ephesians 2, 13 through 22. Please read this with me um, because obviously I need help. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. Through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, we are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, we we too are built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For any standing out in the narthex that would like to come in and sit. We have several places close here to the front. In fact, we have a good many places here at the front if you want to come in and take those. I know that's against everything that's Presbyterian inside of us. That's what Baptists do. So if you're a Baptist, you might want to come to the front. If you need a scripture sheet for the scriptures this morning as we uh, look at these scriptures. Uh, please raise your hand. They've been passed out, but we have if we have additional sheets if anyone needs them. Anyone need a scripture sheet? All right. We are taking a break from First John. If you're visiting with us, we've been in a study the last few months. A wonderful study. Uh, reading and studying. John's first letter as an old patriarch, the only, the last living disciple of the original 12. And we have uh, been reading, listening uh, to the Holy Spirit speak through him uh, as he preaches through the gospel. That's what the letter of 1 John is. 
It is uh, John simply taking the essence of his book, the essence of who Jesus Christ is, the essence of the gospel, and then the essence of discipleship. And he's boiled it down to this one letter. It's a great letter. So uh, come back and enjoy uh, join us as we return to that study uh, in about three weeks. Uh, we're going in the next two weeks after this week. Uh, we're going to build on the message uh, from this morning. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you. For what this day says about the past. And we're reminded of the shoulder of the shoulders on which we stand. Father, this day is full of promise for the future. For others will come and stand on our shoulders. Thank you for this day. Father, you know that we not only desire to be a prophet, we want Christ Presbyterian to be a prophet to Fayette County, to bring God's word to Fayette County along with the other churches that are faithful to your word. But, Father, we also have a burning desire to be priests for Fayette County, to come before you on behalf of Fayette County, on behalf of our neighbors, on behalf, Father, of our county government and schools, on behalf of each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so now we turn to you with prayers of thanksgiving for your grace and prayers, Father, for your encouragement. Prayers, Father, of healing. Asking for your healing in our lives. Father, this room this morning has many people for whom we've prayed over this last year. And we've seen you bring healing to their lives. And so again this morning, we are thankful for the healing that you've brought from cancer and other diseases. And we pray for those this morning that are still undergoing treatment. Give them strength for this time in their lives, physical strength and spiritual strength. Father, thank you that we can look across the congregation, that we can look at each other, and we can see answered prayer. Our Father, we also pray for spiritual healing. We pray that you would bring healing where our marriages need healing, between husbands and wives. We pray that you would bring healing in our family where there's healing needed between mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. 
Oh, Father, send your spirit. Cause us to be humble, to confess our sins with each other. And then, Father, to forgive the sins of of others. Our Father, we pray now as we open your word this morning that you would speak to us. As always, John Sartell cannot say anything that will make any difference in our lives. He cannot speak so that we're changed at the very core of our being, but you are able to speak that way. We pray this morning that we would hear your voice in our hearts. Maybe some of us for the first time and be changed. Father, grow us in Christ for his glory. Amen. There's a new monument in Fayette County. Everyone builds monuments. Every nation, every culture, every civilization has built their own monuments that are peculiar to their culture. In our place and time, we have ceremonial days and ceremonial places, monuments. We have ceremonial days like the 4th of July, Memorial Day. Those are monument dates built into our year for us to remember. We have physical monuments like the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, the Vietnam Wall, the Tomb, the Unknown Soldier. And yes, Billy, the Marines raising the flag at Iwo Jima. Then there are other kind of monuments. There are even monuments stirring us to remember the horrific deeds of evil empires and regimes. Monuments to the evils that preached hatred and murder. We think of the concentration camps of Hitler's Germany the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. These places are well-preserved, even those concentration camps, well-preserved and kept specifically to remind us of the evil that lurks in the human heart, even in this age. All through Scripture, God told his people To build monuments. Why? Why did the God of heaven and earth, our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, why did he tell us to build monuments? That brings us to our first point. God works miracles and he builds monuments as memorials. Look at verse 1 of Joshua 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, this was not Joshua's idea. This was the Lord commanding Joshua. 
The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from every tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. This was not Joshua's idea. Israel did not have a committee for the preservation of miraculous sites. The monument was God's idea. God told Joshua to erect a monument marking the miraculous passage, the incredible work of God as Israel walked through the Jordan into Canaan. This is consistent. He does this over and over again in Scripture. There are monuments on every page. The Passover celebration was a ceremonial monument built into the year, built into Israel's year. It's still there. Every year, there's that ceremonial monument, the blood on the door, the eating of the Passover lamb, the eating of the lamb, even while they're dressed in clothes to travel. Then there was a tabernacle right in the midst of the people. The tabernacle was a monument to the presence of God. And then you had these smaller monuments inside the tabernacle. When you stand away back and look at that, God thinks this is terribly important. In the New Testament, God gave us baptism as a monument for us to remember and mark. He gave us the Lord's Supper as a monument. Now, these monuments always had one common denominator. They dramatized or memorialized the work of God. It wasn't the work of the individual. The monuments were always had God at the center. They said to the observer, this is the work of God. God did this. God did this for us. The monuments were designed to remind Israel. That's what a, the memorial was. That's what the monument was. A reminder. Don't forget. My father died from complications of that insipid disease we call Alzheimer's. He had a wonderful mind. He was a scholar, a thinker, very quiet man, sort of like me. (laughs) I'll never forget visiting him the first time in the hospital, the first time that he could not recall my name. He knew I belonged. He knew I was familiar but he didn't know my name. Then came that visit. A year later, when he couldn't even remember I belonged, he did not know me. Alzheimer's is an attack upon the brain that takes place within our own bodies. 
connections between cells become petrified and they no longer carry those unseen lightning fast bits of information. Just so there is within us a spiritual nature, a sinful spiritual nature that is bent towards sin, that is anti-God, the God of the Bible, the God that's really there. A nature that has an antithesis before God or for God. That dark disposition inside of us constantly attacks our thoughts and our memory of God. You're living in the midst of a culture today that has this disease. And we see a culture that is quickly, quickly, quickly forgetting God and his word and his work. But even in our own lives, I'm apt to have this spiritual Alzheimer's. I'm apt to forget his past and ever-present mercies. I'm apt to to selfishly complain in bitterness about some pain of anguish in my life as I forget that every day I'm bathed in his grace. I'm apt to forget his holiness and my unworthiness and think that somehow God is obligated to me, that he owes me. I'm apt to forget his omniscience and wisdom and to elevate myself to the position of advisor to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm apt to forget my total dependence upon him. That's why we have Sunday. That's what, why we prayed the way we did as we came giving our tithes and offerings. The Lord's Day is a monument that he's built into our week every week that we might remember. Remember that we're not self-made people. Remember that we are charity cases. All through Scripture, God calls his people to have a holy memory. To remember him, to remember his work. That's what the monuments are all about. That's why he gave old Israel the ceremony of the Passover. That the children might ask, Mom, Dad, what does this mean? What what do those stones mean? God works miracles and builds monuments as memorials. Secondly, God builds monuments to serve as memorial bridges between generations. Look at verse 6. To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When the ark crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. The stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Dad, what's that tower of stones over there? Mom, what's that stone tower mean? When your children see the monument, 
You tell them how God miraculously brought Israel into Canaan. It was not Israel and Israel's strength and Israel's engineers that crossed the Jordan. It was God clearing the path so that no man could claim the glory. These were not monuments to the heroes of Israel. They were monuments to the God of Israel. In Exodus chapter 12, he's giving Israel, they're still in Egypt, and the Passover's about to happen. And he's telling them right then, on that first, as they prepare for the first, first Passover, he's saying, you do this every year. Look at Exodus 12, 26 on your scripture sheet. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean? You tell them, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Why did God give Israel the memorial drama of the Passover? Why did they relive, replay that drama every year? So that their children, it was for the children they did this. So your children will know, so that the baton will be passed from one generation to the next. Child, we can't forget what God has done for us. We must not forget. Lee Iacocca was chosen by President Reagan to be in charge of the commission to restore, refurbish the Statue of Liberty. He was a wise choice. He was known in business for his ability to organize and lead, get things done. But also he was an ideal choice because he was the first generation descendant of an immigrant. He was so proud. Wrote a book about it. He was so proud of his leadership of that commission. He wrote this, and I quote, Symbols, the Statue of Liberty, mean nothing if the values aren't there. We didn't spend millions of dollars just so the statue wouldn't fall into the harbor or become a hazard to navigation. We didn't fix up Ellis Island so that people would have a nice place to go on a Sunday afternoon. We did it because we wanted to restore, remember, and renew the basic values that made America great, end quote. Lee Iacocca, in that book, wrote how his father would take him to the Statue of Liberty. They lived in Allentown, Pennsylvania. He said when he was six years old, his dad packed the family into their old beat-up Ford, and he went to New York for one reason, to see the Statue of Liberty. He told his family how great it was to be free, to be an American. He was passionate. He made them go all through the Statue of Liberty. He did that twice. And Lee Iacocca remembered. But then he made an, an embarrassing confession. He said, I've never taken my family, my children, to the Statue of Liberty. He said, we've been to New York Hundreds of times, never once did I take my children to the Statue of Liberty. He wrote, he gave his reason why in his book, Talking Straight. He wrote this, then I had to ask myself, 
why I had not been back in more than 50 years and why I'd never taken my kids out to Liberty Island to climb those stairs the way my father took me. The answer is simple. The Statue of Liberty did not mean the same thing to me that it did to my father. That ought to sting our hearts. I want to ask you a question. Is the cross of Jesus Christ as precious to your children as it is to you? Is the church of Jesus Christ as precious to your children as it is to you? It's so easy. We want to pass a baton of We want to pass a baton of education. We want to pass a baton of security and peace. But there is no baton more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, watch what happens in this country in the next 50 years. For we will see a country where the church of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ has been marginalized, has been thrown on the town garbage heap. So easy to forget. Do you realize that most people wearing crosses, most people wearing crosses in our society could not tell you what that cross means? They could not tell you that they're sinners and this cross is my salvation. This is the cross of Jesus Christ where he was my substitute. He died for me. He took my place in God's judgment. He endured hell for me. That's what this cross means. People don't know that today. You don't believe me, just ask. Most people sitting in church. I don't think this is true of Christ Presbyterian. I don't think it's true of independent. But you and I both know, not churches in Chicago, not churches in New York, but churches right here in River City. People go to the Lord's table and don't have a clue as to what it means. They don't know it's the blood of Christ given for sinners. The pitiful thing is that so many people come to that table, a monument to the grace of God, and they walk away from the table thinking they'll be saved by their works. There's a wonderful story told about St. Patrick in the 5th century when he baptized a king named Ingus. During the ceremony, St. Patrick, if you see pictures of him, he always has a staff. Remember? Always has a staff. Well, during the baptism, he, he, he leaned on it, and the sharp point stabbed the king's foot. I mean, went right through it. And the king did not say a thing. After the ceremony, after the baptism, St. Patrick looked down and he saw this, this bleeding foot and blood all over the floor. And he realized what had happened. And he said, 
King Angus, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you tell me what I'd done? King Angus said, I just thought it was part of the ceremony. (laughs) That's funny. But it's sad. We're dedicating a church building here today. In the late 80s, our family traveled to Rome, to, to Maine for uh, three consecutive vacations, a couple of weeks during the summer. And I saw something that I'd never seen before. Everywhere, all over Maine, I saw churches, churches, small churches like this, large churches that had become museums, local museums. I saw small churches that had become stores, dress boutiques, all kinds of specialty stores, these churches. They had been built by people of God, the people of God, generations before to be a place of worship. People had been baptized in those churches. People had come to those sanctuaries to remember the cross and sit at the Lord's table and remember this is the body and blood of Christ. But somewhere a generation had forgotten to say this is what the monument means. This is what this means. And the next generation forgot even more. And the next forgot even more until no one remembers. Why does God say build monuments to my power? God works miracles and builds monuments as memorials for us to remember. God builds monuments to serve as memorial bridges between generations. Thirdly, God builds monuments to remind us of our dependence. Look at Joshua 4, 7. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. The stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. What's he saying? The stones say, God brought us here. God divided the waters. God gave us the victory. That's the focus of the monuments. Turn through Scripture. You don't find monuments to the work of men. This morning, Jay, you stole my thunder. So just in case, you know, for the latecomers, come thou fount of every blessing. Played a wonderful prelude this morning. And we sing in that hymn, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. What does that mean? In 1 Samuel 7, we read of a great victory that Israel had over the Philistines. And Samuel had played a key role in that. And you don't find a monument, a statue of Samuel. Samuel put up a stone, great stone at that place, at that time to memorialize that victory. And he called the stone Ebenezer. It means 
thus far the Lord has brought us. In other words, it was the Lord's victory. The Lord gave us history. He's brought us thus far. Reminds us that we're dependent on him. When they were coming out of Egypt, they said, we can't do that. Egypt's the greatest nation in the world. God said, I know it. I'm going to do it. You're not going to lift a spear. You're not going to lift a sword. We can't take Canaan. I know it. I'm going to do that. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses in a message to Israel said, you know what the greatest danger will be? The greatest danger will be when you get in the land and you have your house and you have your towns and you have your armies and you're safe and secure and prosperous. The greatest danger will be that you'll look out and say, look what I did. He said, God brought you through the wilderness. God gave you the manna. God gave you the quail. God did all of these things to show you that you are dependent upon him totally. That's what every monument tells us. June Ray Wood, and those of you that know me well have heard me say this often. It's, it's just a title that if you're from the country, you got to like. June Ray Wood wrote a, wrote a book. A turtle on a fence post. Now, if you're from the city, you don't know that. You see a turtle on a fence post, you don't think anything about it. You think turtles climb fence posts. (laughs) They don't. If you see a turtle on a fence post, somebody put it there. June Ray Wood was saying, we're all turtles on fence posts. I was preaching at a huge gathering, or not preaching, I was saying the invocation at a huge gathering in downtown Memphis, an investment firm would have speakers come in periodically, well-known speakers from every field to come in and speak. The speaker at this, there were about 700 people there, and the speaker was uh, an NFL owner, uh, very well-known. And I was sitting at his table, got up, gave the invocation, and I was speaking, if you think about it, I was speaking to a room of very, very prosperous individuals where the great temptation would be to think we're self-made people. And I asked God in the invocation to remind us on this day that we weren't self-made men and women, that we were turtles on fence posts. And this NFL owner, he really liked that. He told me he wanted to sit down. Then when he got up, He said, I hope you heard that prayer. He said, that's a a great thing to hear. We're turtle on fence post. And then for the next one half hour, this NFL owner told that crowd about how great he was and what an awesome guy he was and how he'd accomplished all that he had accomplished and how he was indeed. I mean, I have never heard, I'm serious, I've never heard more arrogance inside a half an hour than I heard in that half hour. People call me all afternoon. I got back to the office and they said, I don't think he understood your prayer. (laughs) 
people settle it today. We did not build this building. Early on, even to this hour, he's used IPC. I don't know what we would have done without you. That's how I look at it, but God doesn't look at you that way. He used the early elders in this church. He used Chris Treat. Most people think that this church is run by Kimberly Abernathy. That's the way it looks. We have strong elders and deacons that God has brought together. But let's settle it today. Christ Presbyterian Church, we're turtle on a fence post. And there's no glory. There's no glory to any of the people I just named, not to John Sartell, not to anybody. It's his glory and his alone. It's what monuments do. They remind us, at least monuments that God's people build, the only monument is a monument to God's glory. God works miracles and builds monuments as memorials. He builds monuments to serve as memorial bridges between generations. God builds monuments to remind us of our dependence, that we're not self-made people. Finally, God builds monuments to give us a vision for the future. Going back to that Samuel and his Ebenezer stone, he said, thus far, thus far. Was he saying, hey, God's not going to take us the rest of the way. No, he was saying to the future, this monument, this Ebenezer stone is not just a monument to what God did in the past. It's a monument to remind us that he'll take us the rest of the way. Amazing grace, how sweet this sound. We know that he who has brought us safe thus far will surely lead us home. Think about it. When Joshua put those stones there, those memorial stones for the generations to come to see, when he put those stones there, he didn't know anything about Samuel. He didn't know anything about David, about Jerusalem, about Elijah, about Isaiah, about Jeremiah, Ezra, Nehemiah. He didn't know anything about Jesus and a cross and an empty tomb. He didn't know anything about the church going to the ends of the earth. But his Ebenezer stone, that Ebenezer stone of Samuel, was a monument of promise for the future. God has not built this building so we can meet here and talk about all he has done in the past. Those early Bible studies that were held in your homes, they looked forward to a church being formed. The church being formed looked forward to a land being obtained. The land being obtained looked forward to a building being erected. People, God, when he provided us with 20 acres, what was he saying? He's saying there's a lot more to come. 
Folks, this building is just a foothold. It's good to be here. It's good to be on our, on our land. It's good to have a building, but it's just a foothold. It's just the beginning. What do we call it? It's a monument. It's a first phase building. This monument today says there's a lot more to come. Well, what will God do? You say, John, what will God do with Christ Presbyterian? I don't know. I do know Ephesians 3.20. Look on your sheet. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You get that? Now to him who is able to do more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He will build monuments on this property that will take maybe a generation like Fayette County has never seen into the world. Maybe our great-great-grandchildren will stand on our shoulders on this property. But it will be what God does, and it will be beyond our imagination. My son John had a poster on his wall that I loved when he was in high school. Huge poster. A skier had skied off of a precipice and was hanging out in open space. His obvious point of landing seemed unreachable. The caption to that dynamic picture read, Christianity is more than believing the impossible. It's doing the impossible through Christ Jesus. Amen. Bill? Please join with me in the statement of dedication as printed in the bulletin. We dedicate this building as a sacred space set apart by the Holy Spirit for the worship of our Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer. We dedicate this building as a sacred space where the sacraments of baptism and Lord's Supper will be received in reverence, thanksgiving, and joy. We dedicate this building as a place where the Holy Spirit will bring God's Word in power to Fayette County. We dedicate this building as a place where the whole counsel of God's Word is systematically taught and eagerly received. We dedicate this building as a place where sinners will be welcomed in the grace of Jesus Christ and where all self-righteousness will be cast off. We dedicate this building place where infants and covenant children will be nurtured physically and spiritually as heirs of his grace from generation to generation. We dedicate this building as a place where the poor, the downtrodden, the wealthy, the educated, the uneducated, the young, the old, men and women from every race and culture will be welcome in the love of Christ. We dedicate this building to be a house of prayer where all of God's people as priests will intercede the world around us. 
Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Thank you.